are now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire broadcasting to you from Southern California and the United States. Thank you for listening all over planet Earth, all across the USA, the EU, and on the many continents that people are listening. I want to thank you for listening because on today's program, we're going to expose truth. And, and one would think that that isn't really necessary, but it's desperately necessary because we are, America itself is in a starvation diet from lack of truth. You turn on all of our media. Let's just be blunt about all of our media. Um, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but generally speaking, the media in the United States just in the last 10, well, going back 20 years when I was doing Fox News Network and CNN and the History Channel on a regular basis, there was a degree of balance. There was a degree of dissenting opinions. There was a degree, a degree of journalistic honesty. And so somebody like me could be invited on, and I would offer a completely different opinion. Now, with the risk of sounding bragging, but it's not bragging, it's simply the truth. Every debate that I did on the Fox News Network, and I was on the biggest shows, I won. I won every single debate. The only thing that would uh, modify that slightly was the very first time I went on the Fox News Network. I wouldn't call my, my uh, appearance uh, a win. It certainly wasn't a loss. So maybe you could say, oh, it was kind of a tie, kind of a tie. But the bottom line was that uh, it's not that I'm some genius or something like that. I just did my homework. And you would be surprised how lazy. I guess that's what happens when you come, and I don't. I don't come from a wealthy family, an entitled family. But many of the people, not all, but many of the people who hosted the big programs came from wealth and power, and I was middle class, and they were upper class. And not, that, that, you can't make it just a blanket statement about that. But what happens is when, when life makes it easy for you to climb uh, the ladder of success, you become soft. You don't give it your all. Uh, it reminds me of those original Rocky movies. The first one I saw with my wife, Chris, on uh, Times Square, and she wanted to walk. Out. <laughs> she wanted to walk out of the theater because she thought, "Well, what is it? What is this? You know, the the, the first Rocky movie." And then I insisted that we stay. I said, you got to You just can't walk out of the movie theater in like two or three minutes. You've got to give it a chance. Now, that doesn't always work, but in this case, it did work. So we gave it a chance. And back then, at least, the, the original Rocky movie was a hard-hitting, fun, emotionally motivating movie. It was obvious that Sylvester Stallone didn't come from the upper class. He came from the working class or middle class. And it reflected in the movie. Uh, and the reason the movie resonated with so many millions of Americans 
is that the average American is middle class, upper middle class, or working class. So that that third tier of of a theme was embedded in the, the first Rocky movie. And and the reason the average viewer is so emotionally engaged in the first Rocky movie is because uh Middle class, working class, anybody who has had to work their tail off, anybody who has had to bust their you-know-what to uh, uh, achieve success or whatever, knows what I'm talking about. If you're listening to me now, and unless you were born with a silver spoon, and I'm not knocking you, I would have much preferred to, to have been born with a silver spoon in my mouth, but I wasn't. So I yeah I had some breaks along the way. I came from a middle class family. I had a college education, you know, the, the the things that help. But I was not, you know, uh, from the Trump family or something like that. I was not part of this globalist elite. I had friends uh, with my parents and their friends, and through a variety of of social means i had uh, a bunch of friends uh who as time progressed it turns out that these friends i mean i didn't know it at the time but it turns out that some of these childhood friends i had were you know the the, the kids of the globalist elite and i'm not going to name the names on purpose but i mean a number of them are household names, and and they're they're ha- I mean they're huge financially, huge, just absolutely staggeringly huge in terms of their monetary wealth and their power, uh, and uh, they worked hard. They were th- th- these people that I'm thinking of uh, back then. They were very honest. I'm not saying they're dishonest today, but they were very honest and and hardworking. But that's not true of everybody. Now, the thing is, though, generally speaking, and you can't make an absolute rule out of it, but generally speaking, when you um, uh, have it easy, when doors open for for you because mommy and daddy can pay for anything, and, and some of you are in that category, and I'm not knocking you for being in that category. I mean, if you were born into that category, why why shouldn't you take advantage of it? You should. So, any in any case, um, I had a number of friends who who today would be household names in terms of their wealth, their power, their affluence, their media exposure. And when I say they're they're on the top of the globalist elite, I'm under I'm understating facts and and with that statement i want to move on because i don't i don't want this to be about these particular individuals but there is a principle uh and the principle is when you you come from excessive wealth not all the time not all the time but many times when you come from excessive wealth and things are easy it, it it's like you know, like if you don't exercise a muscle in your body and time goes by, well, what happens? You know what happens. That muscle becomes weak. You you don't have the strength or the power 
simply because you were never forced to use that particular muscle. And so it is with money and power and wealth and position, etc. Many times you become weak, you become soft. Not all the time. And so that's the danger in it um, when things are just handed to you. So then on the other respect, um, there are people who come from wealth who, work, who do work their, their tails off, who go out there and hustle, and they work hard, and they, whatever they've been given, they, they multiply that wealth, they multiply that knowledge. And by the way, before we continue on on the Paul McGuire report, that, that multiplication of whatever wealth you have, whatever knowledge you have, whatever assets you have, whatever favor you have, if you multiply that, you can exponentially continue to expand your wealth, your power, your position. That's not sinful. That's what you would call responsible stewardship and being a faithful manager. Remember the parable of the manager uh, in, in the New Testament. The manager has his, his, uh, the people who manage for him, let's just call it, for, for lack of better words, the manager, this is obviously a top manager, and he has account managers under him. And he tells them he's going on a trip, and his expectation or his goal for them is that he is given each one of the managers that work for him a goal, an assignment that revolves around multiplying uh, their wealth, multiplying their assets and favor. And that's the expectation, because they're, they're the employees of, of the, the primary manager. So uh, he gives each one a different goal of what they should do, and he makes it clear that his expectation is for them to multiply the wealth that he has given them, which is a biblical principle. So when he returns to every account executive that has been faithful in, in managing and multiplying the money he has given them, if, if they've been faithful in multiplying the money he has given them, he, he comes when he returns, he says to them, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in small things. Now I'm going to promote you, increase your wealth, increase your power, increase your responsibility, and I'm going to promote you. And you're not just going to be in charge of uh, a smaller set of assets because you were faithful with. Um, the assets that I gave you, because you multiplied the assets I gave you, I'm going to give you, you're going to experience an exponential return, and you're going to experience a return on your wealth. Now, right here is a biblical principle. Okay, so um, he comes back and, and he rewards many of them. And the reward or their increase is always based on 
the wealth multiplication and other forms of multiplication that his account executives earn for him. And so he calls them faithful stewards or faithful servants because they have faithfully multiplied the wealth that he has given them, and they have faithfully multiplied uh, all of the assets that he's given. Now, there's one account executive, or two account executives, I forget how many, who, who um, there, and this right here illustrates a egregious violation of the, of the law of God's multiplication. So he rebukes these stewards or, or managers and says, you know, I gave you a certain amount of assets and money and wealth, and I, I, I set a goal for you, and I expected you to multiply it. So when I came back, I, I was shocked to discover you did not multiply your wealth that I gave you. You didn't multiply the assets that I gave you. And which is often the case of people who are unfaithful managers, unfaithful stewards, they, they, they are, they're caught up in making excuses and rationalizing being lazy and, and not multiplying the wealth. So, so they say to their master, Master, we knew you were an unkind and unfair manager, which, by the way, their rationalization was built on the foundation of a lie. They lied about him. They lied about his reputation, and they lied about him, because that was not the case at all. They simply said that as a giant fig leaf or as a giant cover-up to excuse themselves from not multiplying the wealth that they were given. And so they accuse the manager that they work for of being cruel and selfish. And the bottom line here is that it was his fault. It was the top manager's fault for not multiplying the wealth. You see, you'll notice that psychological, spiritual principles, managerial principles, and economic principles are very much alive and well and part of biblical truth. So, they say to him, you know, we heard you were a cruel and an unjust man. Okay, so their excuse for not multiplying the wealth is built completely on a fiction and on a lie. That's not the case at all. There's no indication whatsoever in the Bible that this manager was cruel, selfish, or unfair. All he expected, which was his right to expect, because they were his employees, all he expected was that they would be faithful in their job assignments and multiply the wealth that they were given upon his return. So, the ones that accused him of being selfish and hoarding the wealth, that was all baloney. That was all smoke and mirrors, because the root of that was that they really, when push comes to shove, they really had no legitimate excuse for squandering the wealth of their manager. And so they literally had to resort to a lie 
to justify and to excuse their laziness and to justify and excuse their their lack of faithfulness with the assets and monetary wealth that they had been given. So this simple but very powerful truth is what God wants his people to get a revelation about. This is not a take it or lake, uh, take it or leave it proposition. God wants you to receive a revelation from the Holy Spirit about this principle. It's all important because you cannot fulfill your God-given destiny. You cannot fulfill uh, your call and your mission in life if you have deliberately chosen to entangle yourself in lies, in justifications, in excuses, and everything else. And so the, the, the account executives who looked to a lie, they propped up a lie, and they propped up a lie in order to justify the lack of asset multiplication and economic growth that they were directly responsible for because they were in violation of the principles economically of God's word. So I think you're on track with me here. Now, this principle should be mastered by every true Christian. This is not a take it or leave it proposition. This principle should be mastered by every Christian, and you cannot fulfill God's call on your life. You cannot increase your wealth, your talent, your ability. You can't get promoted. The, the, the entire checklist of success versus failure will not be released in your life until you come to the place where you take ownership and you take personal responsibility for multiplying the wealth that God has given you. And therefore, you, God wants you to get a revelation of how to multiply your wealth, and God wants you to get a revelation about how important it is that you learn to be responsible for that. Okay, so they told the, the, the business manager, the head guy, they said, you know, he said, well, okay, show me the, the multiplication. Show me the, the exponential return you generated for me by multiplying my wealth. And their excuse was that we didn't multiply your wealth because we heard you were a hard and cruel man. And so we didn't multiply your wealth. We were afraid of you. And so we hid and buried your wealth in the ground so it would be protected and safe. Now, there are two other principles colliding into the master principle here. The two other principles are that, number one, the top manager that represents Jesus Christ had a rightful expectation that his account executives multiplied their wealth and their position. And their excuse that they hid their wealth, you know, they buried it in the ground, was built on a lie. It was built on a self-deception 
and it was built on a violation of the principles of God. So every true Christian, if you really want to um, multiply the wealth that God has given you, then you must learn how to put into action, you must learn how to put into action, and you must learn how to master the principles where you can be fruitful and multiply with whatever God gives you. So it wasn't acceptable to Jesus, who represents the manager, it was not acceptable to to him that they hid his wealth with, with with a very sloppy excuse. And so they were harshly rebuked by God. They were harshly rebuked by Jesus because they violated God's principle and they chose to use a lie, deception, uh, self-deception. They chose to use those things as excuses to justify their disobedience and their lack of multiplication of of the wealth that they had been given. All right. Now, this is not a peripheral principle. This is like whatever God calls you to do, whatever business, whatever job, no matter how low, no matter how high, whatever position God gives you, whatever resources God gives you, if you want to accomplish the goals that God has given you, and if you want to multiply the wealth that God has given you, then you must learn how to manage and you must learn how to multiply the wealth. It's a kingdom principle. Okay, so where where is this foundational principle found in the Word of God? Because of its priority, because of its paramount importance, this principle of multiplication is first revealed to us by Almighty God, the Supreme Being. It is first revealed to us in the book of Revelation. Excuse me, in the book of Genesis. It's also revealed in the book of Revelation, by the way, if you dig for it. So it's first revealed in the book of Genesis. So in the book of Genesis, what does God say to Adam and Eve? and Adam and Eve's descendants later on. He says these words, because these words represent a kingdom principle. So he says, be fruitful and multiply to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are the first managers or rulers or rulers and reigners of planet Earth. They're the first ones in charge. And and as such, they have been given the authority the the authority like a king and queen of planet Earth, they have been given the authority to rule and reign over planet Earth, just like they were the kings and queens of planet Earth. And so God's expectation for them is to be fruitful and to multiply everything they've been given and to use faithfully the authority that they've been given. When they do this, and they do this faithfully, then they are obeying God, and they're fulfilling God's word. Why? Because they're being fruitful and multiplying. 
They're fulfilling the primary principle of growth. Remember, the kingdom of God, planet Earth, and any territory or any land that God gives you to occupy. That's why God tells us even today, God says to us, occupy until I come. And so the, the mandate from God to us is that we occupy until he comes and that we are to be fruitful and multiply with whatever he's given us. We're to be fruitful and multiply. And that implies that we must use the authority that he's given us. What authority has he given us? He has given us the supernatural authority to rule and reign on planet Earth and to be fruitful and multiply. So Adam and Eve were given the authority of Jesus Christ. They were the kings and queens of planet Earth. And their commandment from Jesus Christ was to rule and reign over planet Earth. That means whatever God or Jesus Christ gave Adam and Eve, it was the expectation of Jesus Christ for them to rule and reign with whatever they've been given on planet Earth. And so what enabled them to do that was the supernatural authority that they've been given. So God expected them to rule and reign over planet Earth. The key is, and the revelation that God wants to give you is, you now have been given the authority to rule and reign on planet Earth. You're to use that authority faithfully. And when you use that authority, just like you were a king or a queen, when you use that authority, you are to be fruitful and multiply as a king and queen with whatever God has given you. You're to be fruitful and multiply. And this is the driving principle that has been deposited in in Adam and Eve since the beginning. And this principle still exists in the DNA of both men and women. All human beings, all men and women, have been given the authority to rule and reign planet Earth just as if they were kings and queens of planet Earth. Their their role is to rule and reign planet Earth. And so you see in the Bible countless numbers of men and women who God gave a call to, a mission to, and and within that call and within that mission, God expects them to rule and reign and be fruitful and multiply whatever whatever he's given them. And when you understand that, when you allow the Lord God Almighty to give you a supernatural revelation of that principle, and when you begin to practice that principle, and when you begin to teach that principle to your children and grandchildren, what will happen? depending whether or not you are faithful with what God has given you, what will happen is you will be fruitful and you will multiply with whatever resources God has given you. And when, and here comes the parable from the uh, New Testament. 
when the manager comes back, who represents Jesus Christ, when the manager comes back and he asks his different account executives to give him an account of their faithfulness or lack of faithfulness uh, regarding how they manage their money and resources to the degree that they were faithful in the management of their resources, to the degree they were faithful in, in multiplying their resources, it's to that degree they will experience promotion, they will experience wealth multiplication, they will uh, experience favor, um, they will experience an entire spectrum and an entire range of blessing, favor, multiplication, wealth, an increase of wisdom. All of these things will be added unto them and multiplied unto them to the degree that they're faithful with whatever God gave them to do. So this parable applies to every Christian because the manager we're talking about is the Lord Jesus Christ. And just like the manager in the um, uh, New Testament who goes away for a season, but then is going to return and hold his account executives accountable, in the same way, Jesus Christ is, is a symbol of that kind of manager and Jesus Christ is going to return to planet Earth um, at the second coming, and he's going to expect that his children, his count executives, he's, he's going to expect that they multiply, that they, that they are fruitful and multiply with whatever wealth they have been given, wisdom they've been given, talents and abilities they've been given, Whatever it is that they've been given in terms of these things representing assets, whatever, when God holds them accountable, God's expectation is that they are to be fruitful and multiply. Okay, so we cannot evangelize. We can't use our spiritual gifts. We can't use our natural gifts. We can't use our business gifts. Whatever career, whatever gifting we have in whatever area, whether you're a musician, a restaurant owner, a Uber driver, or whatever. By the way, nothing is static. Nothing is frozen in time. No matter what God has given you to be fruitful and multiply about, you're not stuck in that zone. If you are fruitful and multiply and work the principles that God has given you, then no matter what you've been given, you can expect to be fruitful and multiply and experience increase, promotion, wealth, and favor. But the key thing is, no matter what area it is that God has given you a certain degree of management over, no matter what area it is, God the overriding principle in God's creation, planet Earth, spaceship Earth, the overriding creation is that God said to men and women, 
You are to be fruitful and multiply. You are to be fruitful and multiply. So that those words should be ringing in your ears and my ears. No matter what we've been called to do, we have been called to be fruitful and multiply. To be fruitful and multiply. And these principles that I'm talking about, they work in any endeavor, any field under the sun. If we're fruitful, if we're fruitful and we plant seeds, which is equivalent to investments, not sitting on your posterior goofing off, but if you are working and managing whatever God has given you, then you can be fruitful and multiply. And then you can expect to see increased. You can expect to see a harvest. You can expect to see yourself and your family as a, as a blessed man and a blessed woman. And nobody, some people have it harder than others, that's true, but nobody is a perpetual victim. So if you have allowed yourself to be locked into a perpetual victim consciousness, then you have sentenced yourself to prison. And what has sentenced yourself to prison is that you chose somewhere along the line, you chose to believe deception, you chose to believe lie, you chose to believe non-truths, and as a consequence, you're suffering and you are not experiencing the blessing that God has for you. Okay, this is the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. I talk about these principles. They're interwoven in my books, along with fast-moving, entertaining, applicable teachings that, that I've gathered from studying the Bible for over 40 years. And I, I break it down and I share it with you so that you can be fruitful and multiply, so that you can experience exponential growth in whatever mission, calling, or field that God calls you to. So, this, you need to reframe your mind with the mind of Christ, and you need to look at your reality, which means looking at yourself in the mirror as well as looking at your reality, and you look at your reality, and you operate within uh, a sane reality. By that I mean, when I say you operate within a sane reality, what I'm telling you is you have been blessed and have the privilege of God to operate in a reality at least in the United States, because our laws, our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, our government are all connected philosophically and spiritually. They're all connected to um, the precious freedoms in the Bill of Rights, uh, like freedom of religion and freedom of the press and so on and so forth. These liberating laws are laws of opportunity that are yours through inheritance because you were blessed to be born in a nation uh, where, because our, our founding fathers, the pilgrims and Puritans, uh, believed God, worshipped God, and had a biblical worldview, because the pilgrims and Puritans embraced the biblical worldview, 
that you have to think of uh, possessing a biblical worldview as if it were uh, uh, an enormous financial asset, an enormous amount of power and wealth. Because the fact of the matter is, when you have a biblical worldview, when you have the, the treasure house of of truth that was passed on from the pilgrims and puritans then you are when you approach life you are standing on a platform of biblical truth uh gathered and gained by the pilgrims and puritans and that's powerful okay you're listening to the Paul McGuire report on Paul McGuire be sure to visit paulmcguire.us that's paulmcguire.us Knowledge is power. I exhort you to read my books like Power from on High, Conquering the Matrix, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and Volume 2, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind, and so many other books available to you at a huge discount right now when you go to paulmcguire.us. Now, remember, as I've said in all my books, especially the most recent books like Power from on High and The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, right now in America and around the world, it is imperative that you understand that we are under an all-out spiritual warfare assault of mind-blowing proportions. The body of Christ born-again Christians, men and women who, who accept and believe a biblical worldview, have never, ever before in human history faced the antagonism, the hatred, the oppression, the spirit of Antichrist, and the spirit of Antichrist operating through people in society, the culture, education, government, and the media. Never, never before in the history of mankind and the history of the United States, have we seen literally the armies of hell rise up and attack from every position the supernatural body of Christ with the desire and lust in their hearts to destroy God's people and to eradicate from the minds and hearts of God's people anything that has to do with Christian truth, Christian liberation, and Christian multiplication. This is the all-out attack of the spirit of Antichrist has never occurred like it is now before. It has never occurred. So, whether we like it or not, we have to look in the mirror and man up to where we are. And that means that it is unacceptable to God, for us as true Christians, or people who claim to be true Christians, it's unacceptable uh, for us as true Christians to, to justify apathy, justify unbelief, justify rejecting the truth of God's Word. In any area of this all-out spiritual battle, if we, if, we, if we together sit down and, and talk face-to-face over a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or whatever, 
if you and I sit down and talk face to face, and I show you in the Bible, and you're probably familiar with it, the passages of Scripture which reveal to you the critical areas that we are currently losing the spiritual war in, or where we're currently losing the the truths, the freedom, the liberating principles from God's Word, like being fruitful and multiply. In any area that we point to, if we see among the body of Christ what could be called retreatism, what could be called fear, what could be called uh, a mindset of failure, wherever we see failure, retreat, spiritual warfare losses of any kind, if we went through the Bible together, we would observe that in any case where there is failure, in any case where there is spiritual warfare losses, wherever that's the case, the reason for that case is that somewhere along the line, maybe it was a couple of generations ago, God's leaders, God's people, both men and women, retreated, gave their hearts and minds over to a spirit of fear, disobeyed God and refused to occupy until he comes, refused to be diligent and apply his word to be fruitful and multiply. And wherever we see loss, failure, retreat, slavery, and going into captivity, wherever we see those factors, we will also consequently observe that there has been simultaneously an egregious disobedience of the Word of God. And so at this critical time, because you and I are in the last days, we're in the time period where Jesus Christ is about to rise from his throne and return to earth with the armies of heaven. Now, right now, positionally, Jesus Christ is sitting on his throne, or Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne room of God, sitting on his throne, and he sees and observes the spiritual battle raging on planet Earth. And he's not docile about it. He's not indifferent about it. He's waiting for his Father, his Heavenly Father, to command him to go into action. When he receives the command of God from his Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ will raise himself up from his throne, and he will mount his white horse, and he will be followed by the armies of heaven, and then millions of angelic armies, millions of the armies of heaven, will return to planet Earth and descend upon the nation of Israel and descend upon Jerusalem and conquer Jerusalem, conquer Israel, because God made a covenant with Israel thousands of years ago known as the Abrahamic Everlasting Covenant. And that's why Jesus Christ has to return 
to Israel in the last days. And when Jesus Christ returns to Israel in the last days, he is going to wage war with the satanic earthly armies, the fallen angels, Satan, Lucifer, all the spiritual entities, all the human beings, all the people that have given themselves over to Satan, all the people that have given themselves over to Satan, and all the people who have given themselves over to receive the neurological, the microscopic neural implant, a neural implant where they will be plugged into the hive mind, plugged into the world brain, and they cannot buy or sell unless they receive this neural implant, which will enable them, which will give them access to buy or sell, but it's also a mass electronic surveillance device. And this is how, it's important to understand this, this neurochip implant, which connects you to the hive mind and the world brain, is part of what is known as the Great Reset. And the Great Reset is simply a rebranding of what used to be called the New World Order. And the New World Order, going back to ancient Babylon, described in the book of uh, Genesis, um, the ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel was the world's first one world government, one world religion, and one world economic system. But it is now known uh, as the New World Order, and, and more recently, it was rebranded, and it is now called the uh, Great Reset. And the Great Reset is a spiritual, economic, political revolution that occurs on planet Earth where the armies of hell are risen up. The armies of hell are risen up, and with the armies of hell, which consists of all men and women who follow the armies of the Antichrist, along with the clones, the uh, uh, robots, the cyborgs, the, the DNA and genetically modified human beings who are no longer truly human beings, they're now called synths, S-Y-N-T-H. S. They're now called synths, which is short for synthetic DNA or synthetically genetic human beings. So these synths are, are counterfeit human beings. And because they're counterfeit human beings, they do not have the privilege or right to uh, be called human beings. And they don't have the spiritual authority and they don't have the supernatural power uh, to rule and reign as God has designed and planned uh, authentic genetic human beings to do. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in just a moment. Once again, this is Paul McGuire. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I need your help. I need you to spread the links of this program, the Paul McGuire Report, 
spread our articles, spread our videos, spread uh, our books, spread our ministry. You see, one person can only do so much. One of the primary laws of uh, the law of being fruitful and multiplying is that in order to really multiply at the level that God wants you to multiply at, whether it's on an individual, personal basis, or whether it's on a spiritual basis, which in our case means we want to save as many souls for Jesus Christ as we can. We want to impart a biblical worldview or spread the truth as best as we can. We want to do our part because I believe it can be done. All things are possible through God. We want to turn the tide of the spiritual battle in America and around the world. And I believe that absolutely that that goal can be accomplished. Why? Because in my heart, and excuse the the parable, but in my heart, I'm pregnant, even though I'm a male, I am pregnant spiritually through the supernatural power of God, and God has infused my inner man with the Spirit of God, and I have been given, by grace, unmerited favor, a I've been given the seed of God's power and God's word, which simply means God has deposited it in my heart, a level of supernatural faith, a level of supernatural power that is way, way beyond what I naturally or normally could do myself. In other words, Paul McGuire operating by himself could never accomplish what God has called me to accomplish. But when God calls you to do something and he infuses you with the gift of faith, that's what I'm talking about. It's a specific gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of faith. When God infuses you with the gift of faith, you now have the supernatural capacity to accomplish things and to do things that you could never ever do if you were simply operating on your so-called normal level of human faith, or or simply human faith. And you you have experienced that yourself. You may not be aware of it, but I promise you, if I was to sit down with you and talk to you and and hear your story, you would come up with a whole list of situations where the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, has entered your inner man or inner woman and has made alive or quickened in you the the spiritual gift of faith. And so you see, when God places that spiritual gift of faith in you, you are operating on a supernatural level, not a wacko, crazyville level not a rolling on the floor and barking like a dog level, on the level of sanity, rational thinking, research, education, 
knowledge, and most of all, operating under the parameters and the laws and the guidelines of the Word of God, which produces sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. So, you and I are in the zone, the battle zone, of the greatest spiritual battle in the history of the world. And never before in the history of the world has God begun to raise up and call through his Holy Spirit so many millions and millions of people in America and around the world are being called right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, they can't explain why. I can't really explain why, because it's beyond my intellect. It transcends my intellect. All that I know is this, that I know that I know that I know in my inner man that I have been given the gift of faith, and I have this internal rock-solid belief that things that God has called me to do, I will be able to do, I will be able to accomplish, because it's not me struggling to make it happen. God has imparted into me the gift of faith, the gift of faith. And there are other gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, and fruits of the Holy Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, things like that. Okay, so we go into the spiritual battle. Why was David fearless as he marched by his brothers, as he marched by King Saul, and he had to face to face the, the, the Nephilim giant Goliath? What supernaturally enabled David to look into the eyes of Goliath and without even thinking about it, David thundered out of his inner man, which is, which is in the center of your stomach area. And I don't want to get into, into the neurological nature of that, but neurologically you have, uh, for, for lack of better uh, definitions, n- neurologically you have a three-part brain. You have the brain between your ears, uh, in your skull. You have the brain in your heart area, and you have the brain in your stomach area. All three of these brains process different kinds of information. And so there was a reason that David, looking into the eyes of Goliath, fearlessly he thunders out of his inner man. That's the, that's the diaphragm area, the boombox area of, of your biological man or woman. So when you say something loudly, it thunders. He wasn't screaming. He just spoke authoritatively, and it thundered. And so what happened on a uh, physics level, what he said resonated with the electromagnetic frequency of God. So what David said to Goliath changed the physical atmosphere, and the physical atmosphere was preceded by a radical transformation in the spiritual atmosphere. When David declared the authority of the biblical God while looking into the eyes of Goliath, he released a change in the electromagnetic frequency, the vibrational, the specific vibrational numerical number. 
because everything that manifests itself in the physical realm is a product of a particular vibrational frequency. So, for example, what, what is known as the Schumann resonance frequency is literally the frequency, the vibrational frequency of planet Earth, which is 7.83 hertz, HZ. So when people need to be grounded, because there's so much messed up EMF, electromagnetic frequencies, from all the crazy stuff being generated in our physical atmosphere, crazy stuff like 5G kill towers that emit a, a, a kill zone, uh, electromagnetic field, vibra uh, a vibrational frequency that can cause sickness, death, heart attacks, depression, oppression, suicide. The, the Cubans were caught relatively recently sending in their spies, and they secretly began to bombard with, with the highest technology available. They beamed deadly killing electromagnetic frequencies into the U.S. embassy workers stationed near Cuba. And they began to drop dead through this unseen electromagnetic vibrational force. Now, we've got to understand that now is the time, not in the future, now. Now is the time to up our game spiritually. The way to up our game spiritually is to up our vibrational frequency. Because everything you see in the physical world is a manifestation of a specific electromagnetic frequency. Colors, sounds, people, faces, everything in this physical world that God created is being generated from an unseen dimension uh, composed of electromagnetic frequencies. Now, so when David confronted Goliath, and he spoke those words under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and he looked into the eyes of Goliath, and he said, and his voice thundered, but he didn't scream. His voice thundered, and David looked at Goliath and said, how dare you defy the armies of the living God? And the next thing you knew, David had an anointing from God, what I call an enhancement. Not only did David have forms of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit before the Christian church, which he was manifesting as the king of Israel, but David also had. Uh, he knew his authority uh, under the God of Israel, and he had his faith uh, aimed at the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, even though he didn't know the Messiah, per se. And so when Goliath attempted to intimidate the armies of Israel and threaten the life of David, David, this is so important, this is so important. This is more important than anything in today's program. David lived, walked, thought, breathed, contemplated. He lived his life in a specific electromagnetic frequency, a specific number 
which created and projected a specific electromagnetic frequency vibration that when he used his words in authority as the king of Israel, a type of Jesus Christ, and he said authoritatively as the king of Israel, how dare you defy the armies of the living God? Those words spoken in authority radically transformed and radically rearranged the EMF or the electromagnetic frequency of this battlefield environment. And then the next thing you know is that the anointing of the Holy Spirit, along with the preceding transformation of the battlefield environment, where the electromagnetic frequency was radically changed as David encountered Goliath on the battlefield, and David took his slingshot, swirled it around. It had one smooth white stone in it. He let that, David let that white stone rip, and that white stone hit the center of Goliath's head, his forehead. And then Goliath dropped dead to the ground with a, with a, with a big thud because he was a giant. Now, now notice where David landed the smooth white stone. Notice precisely, anatomically, where it hit Goliath. It hit Goliath in, in his forehead, between, in the center between his two eyebrows, and raised up about an inch above his eyebrows in the center of his forehead, that's where the smooth stone landed. Now, what anatomically, in terms of the structure of the human brain, what part of the brain is located between the two eyebrows and is located about an inch above the two eyebrows in the center of his forehead? What is that area of the brain anatomically? I'll share it with you. Many, many of you know this anyway. But in terms of spiritual warfare, David's target was a make-or-break situation. It just happens to be that Goliath, who was a descendant of fallen angels and had hybrid or corrupted fallen angel DNA, was killed by uh, David. Now, what is in the brain between the two eyebrows in the center of the forehead, about an inch above where the two eyebrows are, beneath the surface of the skull, if you go in, I guess it's about an inch deep, there is a particular part of the brain that is very misunderstood, and it's called the pineal gland. The pineal gland is in the center of the forehead. The reason people in so many Eastern mystical occult religions uh, put dots with, with makeup or paint in the center of their forehead, or even the reason that many Christians, Catholic Christians, put uh, ash on the center of their forehead 
and so many yoga religions and Hindu religions and Buddhist religions and Eastern mystical occult religions um, put a, a, with paint or makeup, they put a mark, a distinguishing mark between the two eyebrows and an inch up above the eyebrows. They put that paint. The paint symbolizes what is known in, in occult circles. That paint symbolizes the third eye. And according to occult teachings, and I am not an occultist, by the way, I'm a Christian, but according to occult teachings, the third eye is what enables practitioners of the, of the occult, Hindus, Buddhists, occultists, it's what enables them to see into the spiritual world through their third eye. It gives them supernatural vision and the supernatural vision ability to see into the spiritual realm, to see spiritual entities in the spiritual realm. Because where they put that makeup is the same place where David slammed Goliath with a rock in the center of the forehead, which is where the pineal gland is. The pineal gland secretes uh, a particular substance, which for, for, for simplistic purposes functions as if it was some kind of psychedelic drug, a mind-altering drug. It's as if you took LSD or mescaline or whatever, and yo yoga practitioners and people in high-level meditation and uh, uh, occult circles they can activate the pineal gland through meditation, changing their electromagnetic frequency vibration. And it is a, it is a dark occultic spiritual tool for seeing into the dark, evil spiritual realm. You've got to get this here. Because our world right now, Millions and billions of people are rejecting biblical Christianity. They're rejecting Judeo-Christian belief systems. And they're rejecting that, and they're choosing to substitute that for the all-seeing eye of Lucifer, known by that paint between the, the eyebrows in the center of the forehead, the pineal gland, which functions as a form of a psychedelic portal which allows you to see into the invisible realm. Aldous Huxley knew about this with, with Brave New World. It's, it's a physical symbol of a psychedelic mechanism available to people who practice the occult. Now, since we're in the greatest time of spiritual warfare in the history of the world, just move with me mentally at, at an accelerated rate. You know, and I know, that the, the gifts of the occult, the demonic powers, the fallen angels, and all the mechanisms and the technologies of the occult are growing and expanding every single day. You turn on the Super Bowl, and there's all these occult symbols. You look at the back of the U.S. dollar. And you see the occultic pyramid, and on the top of the pyramid is the occultic, all-seeing 
eye of Lucifer. The all-seeing eye of Lucifer is graphically painted on the back of a U.S. $1 bill. You'll see a pyramid structure, an unfinished pyramid, and then you'll see the all-seeing eye of Lucifer. And the all-seeing eye of Lucifer also happens to be the symbol of the Illuminati, which means the illumined ones. So, see, you can't see when you're blinded by spiritual darkness and evil. You're walking around in the dark. But you can see, which means you have been illumined or illuminated, as in Illuminati, when your all-seeing eye of Lucifer has been activated by occult activities that transform your vibrational frequency. Your all-seeing eye of Lucifer allows you to see into the invisible realm. And, and, and there are millions of people who now have rejected Jesus Christ who have trained themselves to activate their all-seeing eye of Lucifer. And they can look into the dark spiritual world, and they can access Luciferian powers. So the Illuminati, as well as many, many other um, occult uh, secret societies, can activate that all-seeing eye, that pineal gland. And by the way, there are, I'm not promoting the usage of the pineal gland, by the way, but you need to know what it is, because it's an arsenal in the weaponry of Lucifer's army. And so what is happening is that the pineal gland, the all-seeing eye, has been blinded. It has been dulled down so it can barely see. And what has caused the pineal gland to shut down and block its Luciferian vision structure. Well, what has caused it to be locked down is fluoride in the drinking water, which calcifies or, or puts calcium deposits over the pineal gland. And when the pineal gland has been exposed to all kinds of uh, toxic chemicals, when the pineal gland has been exposed to, to the chemical fluoride, which dulls human consciousness, when the pineal gland uh, is allowed to calcify, which shuts down its supernatural properties, it no longer can see into the invisible realm. And this momentarily gives Satan and Lucifer and the fallen angels a temporary spiritual warfare asset. So, God is saying to his people, and he's saying to you now, he wants to, listen, God wants to deposit in you a quantum increase of your spiritual power, your spiritual wisdom, your spiritual anointing. God wants to raise the level of your spiritual vibration, and, and God wants to increase the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit upon you so that you can be victorious in battle as David was. It's not an accident that David dropped Goliath by landing a smooth stone in the center of his forehead. It is also not an accident that um, the symbol of the Illuminati is the all-seeing eye of Lucifer, uh, depicted on the back of the U.S. dollar. And it's not an accident that the all-seeing eye of Lucifer is deliberately placed towards the top of an unfinished pyramid, which represents 
the ancient religions known as Mystery Babylon, placed there and flourishing at the time of ancient Babylon, which existed at the same time as the building of the Tower of Babel or Babel. Now remember, the words Babel or Babel, constructed in ancient Babylon, refers also to the pyramidal structure of the Tower of Babel. The pyramidal structure, known in architectural terms, is known as a ziggurat. So a ziggurat represents a pyramidal structure. So the ancient Egyptians with the Pharaoh God-King system, and I write all about this in detail in my books, Power from On High, The Greatest Battle, you need to get them. The, the Tower of Babel, which was a pyramid structure, was imitated by the ancient Egyptians in the Pharaoh God-King system, and it is no accident that their superstructure, super-civilization buildings were made out of and created in the shape of what was known as a ziggurat, or a pyramidal structure. Again, the pyramid. And the, the, the proliferation of pyramidal uh, eyes and occult symbols now dominate planet Earth. Okay, so, so where does this take us? In order for God's people, like David, to win the spiritual battle, we can no longer afford to play church. We must, by faith, by faith, we must possess the supernatural and spiritual weapons of the kingdom of God so that we can take down the demonic strongholds in the authority of Jesus Christ. The way we do that effectively in the last days before Christ comes, the way we do that effectively is that we, just like the people in the occult, are communicating with fallen angels like Sir Francis Bacon, Sir John Dee. They were communicating with fallen angels that were guiding and directing them about Great Britain's role in conquering America through occult power, and Sir, Sir Francis Bacon's uh, vision of transforming America into uh, the, the, the New World Order and the New Atlantis, both which were envisioned to be occult super-civilizations. And the greatest of all the occult super-civilizations is now on the horizon. By the way, the horizon is generated by the rising of the sun into the sky. That rising of the sun into the sky goes back to the mystery Babylon religions. When Semiramis killed her husband, uh, she lied to the people and told them that her husband, Semiramis, had risen into the heavens, and he had become Ra, the sun god. Ra, the sun god. And so this is part of Lucifer's plan. It's also not an accident that Lucifer chooses to call himself the Shining One. So Lucifer chooses to call himself the Shining One, and the Shining One represents those people who have been illumined the Illuminati. 
So we have the Shining One, who is Lucifer, Ra, who is the sun god, formerly named Nimrod, and then we have the Illuminati, which means the Illumined One. Illumined by what? Satanic energy and illumined by the sun, and Ra, the sun god. So we are approaching the end of the age, and God is calling his people to understand that he has already given them a plethora of supernatural and spiritual weapons that are beyond their earthly imagination. And God's people will win this spiritual warfare. God's people will win this last day's battle when we, by faith, begin to acquire this vast arsenal of spiritual weapons that God has for us in the last days. And there's a multiplicity of that weaponry. Everything from the science of electromagnetic frequencies. This isn't something that that came about through cell phones and 5G, etc. When I was doing my deep dive research for, for power from on high, I discovered that the ancient pyramids contained massive pumping systems which pumped water, which uh, nourished the land of Egypt. So they were these giant pyramids, but they were simultaneously pumping stations that pumped massive amounts of water through, through deep underground water tunnels. Now, when scientists examined the EMF or the electromagnetic frequency of these giant Egyptian water pumps built inside of pyramids, they discovered that the exact EMF or the exact numerical electromagnetic vibration that caused the pumps to work was that the pumps were functioning on a 7.83 hertz electromagnetic frequency. That is the same thing as the Schumann resonance, which is the specific electromagnetic frequency of planet Earth. Therefore, the giant pumps built inside these massive Egyptian pyramids were functioning at the specific EMF frequency known as the Schumann resonance at 7.83 hertz. That's what was, that was the exact vibrational frequency inside of the Egyptian pyramids. And simultaneously, that's the same exact electromagnetic frequency of uh, planet Earth. Okay, we have so much more to go into. But I want to leave with this. And this is why I've written my new book, Power From On High. We cannot achieve the victories, the spiritual victory, that God wants us to achieve without receiving the dunamis, the dynamite power from on high. But we need to tarry in our Jerusalem. When we tarry in our Jerusalem, God will clothe us with power from on high. He will send in his angelic armies. And just like the early church was birthed when they received power from on high, so too the contemporary church, which has largely been, and I don't mean it as a put-down, but largely it has been failing, stumbling, and misfiring 
and, and performing in a rather inept manner in this great spiritual battle. What God is calling the American church to do right now, and please hear what I'm saying. Please hear what I'm saying, because if you listen carefully, you will hear the anointing of the Lord. You will hear the anointing of the Holy Spirit bathing the very words that I'm speaking to you. They're being infused with light, life, and power. They're being clothed with power from on high. And when they're clothed with power from on high, this releases the dunamis, which means the dynamite detonation or explosion of God, the explosion of the power of the Holy Spirit, which has the capacity to overwhelm with full-spectrum dominance any opposing demonic enemy. And so God has given us—this is not like theoretical, this is like if you believe the Word of God, it can be done. God has infused each one of us with power from on high. He's given us the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to be victorious in all spiritual warfare, and together in Christ, functioning as one in the Spirit, together in Christ, Jesus Christ has filled us with the power of the Holy Spirit and has given us the supernatural ability to overwhelm the demonic powers, and we have been given the anointing and the dunamis to literally turn the tide of the greatest spiritual battle in the history of mankind. This is necessary because on the horizon is um, the second coming of Jesus Christ along with the armies of heaven. So I want to encourage you to get my books, Power from on High, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, and the other books at paulmcguire.us. And then I need you to obey the Lord as he speaks to your heart. Whatever the Lord commands you to do, I exhort you to simply obey the Lord, step out on faith, and do whatever God calls you to do. To do whatever God calls you to do. And that means whatever the Lord tells you to do in terms of donations financially, financial contributions, spreading the word, volunteerism, signing, joining, uh, liking all of our social media. Just don't look at the social media and move on. They're rigging the social media. I, 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 I want to tell you that with all my heart, because I was looking at my social media today, and what I saw was flat-out rigging from a so-called conservative site. The, the numerical number of viewers and followers on this so-called conservative site, the numerical number was exactly, exactly the same numerical number of viewers and watchers on one of the more mainstream liberal um, um, social media. Now, how, and this has happened many times. How could this possibly happen? How could it possibly happen that the numerical count of my social media, both conservative and liberal, is 100% the same, and it has been 100% the same month after month. That is impossible, because there's no mathematical way that the exact number of people in every single incidence on a variety of social media, there's no way 
that the, the exact number of people are watching or listening or viewing Paul McGuire's social media. It, it, it could never happen that way. So somebody is tinkering behind the scenes. And what is their goal? Their goal is to take me down. Their goal is to marginalize me by deflating my numbers. And the purpose of marginalization is to try to destroy my influence. Our influence has been massive over the last 15, 18 years. It continues to be so, but now we're being hammered by the lies of rigging. I need your help. If you're serious about the spiritual warfare, then you need to come and join me on the spiritual battlefield. Visit PaulMcGuire.us. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. <laughs>